pray. Holy God, seek us until we are found and celebrate with you. Amen. A few years ago, I lost something valuable, my engagement ring. It's not attached to my wedding bands, and that's as some have opt to have done. And so it must have separated and slid off my finger at some point, because when I looked down at my hand on the steering wheel that afternoon, there was a wedding band, but no engagement ring. This was right after I picked up my son from daycare as I was driving away, so I turned around quickly and went back to the parking lot, searched the whole place, hunted around on the sidewalk and in the grass next to the entrance door. It was a bright sunny day, so I prayed for the glint of a diamond to catch my eye and end this panic feeling that was rising in my chest. I dedicated a lot of time to that search to no avail. And since I wasn't totally sure I lost it there, I had to double-check the inside of the car door and the floorboards and the seat. And I thought back through every place I had been that afternoon and if I had had the ring then, narrowing it down to the daycare trip. I went home defeated and embarrassed and dreading the conversation with Curtis, which I was able to avoid that night as luck would have it. The next morning, as Miles and I drove back to the daycare, I looked again for longer than I had time for. I even went in and spoke with the director about it, which meant that I had to admit to another person out loud that I had lost my engagement ring, a ring which everyone knows the importance and value of, and there happened to be another teacher in the office that day, so she heard it too. Did anyone turn it in? I sheepishly asked, knowing full well that in this day and age, no one in their right mind was going to find a diamond ring and turn it into a lost and found. But I checked every day that week until I resigned myself to the fact that it was gone forever, plucked up by someone on the sidewalk, someone who thought God had sent them a miracle. I gave up looking because the search was pointless. I finally told Curtis and the kids, and their faces were indescribably sad. Like a month went by, and one day the kids and Curtis were in the kitchen getting a snack, and I heard this crazy commotion, not abnormal, but I went in to see what was happening anyway, and Curtis knelt down on the floor in front of the pantry door and held out my engagement ring and said, will you marry me? Let's just say it was a proposal I could not refuse. (laughs) Apparently, the ring had slipped off my finger one day when I went down to reach for a pack of Teddy Grahams, and it was sitting there all this time waiting to be discovered in the darkness of that pantry in the bottom of a box. The kids jumped up and down with joy, and we were all screaming with excitement and laughing so loud that the neighbors probably thought we had won the lottery. (laughs) What was lost had been found. What was lost has been found in our gospel reading, at least in terms of the parables of these lost things, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, not read today, but comes next. The shepherd leaves 99 sheep to go find the one lost sheep out in the wilderness, and against all odds, actually finds it and brings it home. The woman loses a silver coin and turns on all the lights and sweeps the house and sweeps all night until she finds it. 
They both throw a party afterward to celebrate with the whole neighborhood in on the joy and excitement of the discovery until they are laughing and dancing with the shepherd and the woman singing that refrain at the top of their lungs, rejoice with me for I have found what once was lost. What was lost has been found in all of these stories that I have just told you, but the parables before us today aren't really about the things that are lost any more than the story I told you about my ring was about the ring itself, now was it? It told you a lot more about my family and I, about our behaviors and relationships, how sadness and disappointment caused by one person can take over the whole house, but also how contagious joy and excitement can be if we let ourselves share in it together. The parables of lost things are like this, I think. They're not about the sheep and the coins, as if this one lost sheep made some kind of special wool, and that silver coin was a family heirloom, as if the things themselves are of some inherent, obvious, external value. The opposite is the case, really. Because one sheep out of a hundred would not be enough to risk life and limb for out in the wilderness, would not be enough to leave your entire livelihood unattended. And how about that coin? Let's be real here. The party she throws afterward costs more than all ten silver coins combined. One coin was not significant enough to even write a story about. But what is significant enough to write a story about, according to Luke's community, is a shepherd who goes to ridiculously great lengths, even dangerous lengths, to find something that we think is hardly worth finding. And a woman who sweeps, sweeps, sweeps until her hands are callous from the broom handle, but doesn't stop, never gives up sweeping, until one singular coin is brought out into the light. What is significant enough to tell a story about, according to Jesus, is that after finding what is lost, the thing to do is throw a big party. Invite everyone you ever knew and laugh and dance and sing the refrain, Rejoice with me, for I have found what once was lost. For the Pharisees and scribes, these were not details to write stories about. They were certainly not worth telling in public by a self-proclaimed rabbi who spent his days welcoming the outcast and speaking to those not worth speaking to, breaking bread with people others despised or mistrusted, and using the scriptures to support his behavior. They wanted to grumble about this, you see, not rejoice. They wanted to use it to mount a case against him, not have it be cause for celebration. In the third lost story, they wanted to stand in the yard and point fingers rather than come inside to that party for the younger son who returned home. The word for lost in the Greek here means a variety of things, from a physical sense of direction or place, like I got lost driving to your house, which I probably did because I'm directionally challenged, to even those who experience destruction or trauma, like all those affected by Hurricane Dorian must feel today, only a week after it happened, like those whose hearts are still heavy and whose nightmares are still real after 9-11, like many who walk wounded in life with hidden scars that you and I will never see. Being lost brings to mind those I know who struggle to find their way forward after a loved one dies, 
because it's like navigating a strange land, a wilderness that they have never walked through before. Being lost brings to mind those I know who struggle to find peace and love after betrayal and heartache, because now they see the landscape as dangerous and unpredictable. Being lost brings to mind all who are physically displaced in this world, a staggering and growing number, and how their journey of trauma and violence and loss is being met by distrust and hate and hostility, largely because, in truth, they are not the only ones lost, now are they? Sometimes you know when you're lost, like after that third wrong turn, and sometimes you need others to point it out to you. Jesus hears the leadership grumbling about his ministry, and then he tells three stories about being lost. If we believe Jesus to be about seeking out those who are lost, which I do, then we should note that he seems to spend an awful lot of time with the religious leadership. That should give us pause, I think as we sit here in these pews in a church and make us at least ask where we might be lost and don't know it. Sometimes it is easier for me to see, like when Christians I know take a line out of scripture and use it to beat others over the head with because they are lost in their own bias and they have missed the heart of the teaching. Other times it's more difficult to see or at least understand when we support policies and practices that deny others their basic human rights, that shut down pathways to freedom for those who only long for peace the same way that you and I do. I can only reason then that we have lost our way to God because it seems that we no longer care about the things that God cares about because it seems we have gotten turned around in a wilderness of fear and greed, and we can't remember which path God calls us to walk, the one that leads to the restoration of all God's people. It's really an age-old problem, though, this getting lost from God. We can trace it all the way back to the garden. We can hear it in that first reading today and recall that golden calf part of our history We can remember that this is not the first time we have lost our way, and it will likely not be our last. We can wonder, too, if God will give up looking this time, having sought us out so many times before, if God isn't tired of having to find us, having to set us down on the right path, having to fetch us from the recesses of the wilderness, having to bring us out into the light. Perhaps, though, in the darkness of those thoughts, waiting to be discovered, is the shimmering revelation of these parables, that while we seem to excel at getting lost, at disappointing each other and creating heartbreak, God already has the broom in hand, prepared to sweep us up into everlasting joy. And friends, it's not because of our great capacity to admit when we are lost, or because we will never do it again, but because of God's great capacity for rejoicing, because God delights when we are brought home again, when the community is whole and restored again. Even if God has to go up a mountain to a cross and down in the valley of the shadow of death to bring us back, God will do it. 
Even if God has to sweep all night until our sin and guilt and despair are gone, until what threatens us in the darkness is brought out into the light, God will do it. Mostly because every time that happens, every time we are found again or come home again to God's path for us, God celebrates with a big dinner party, the one where Pharisee and tax collectors, sinner and righteous, lost and found, all sit down at the same table together. And God asks us to come in and share in God's contagious joy together, laughing and singing and dancing and singing that song together that is God's until it becomes our own song. Rejoice with me, for I have found the one that was lost. Now that, my friends, is a proposal we simply cannot refuse. Taste and see. Amen. Amen.